0: Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers,
1: the heavy hitters of injury law. A couple of tussles in the first period between the Flames and the Rangers. It's 1-1 at the intermission. Early second period, Canucks and Devils in a 1-1 tie. Jack Hughes, 34th of the season. Panthers lead the Lightning 3-1 with 5.5 left in the second. Matthew Kachuk, his 26th. And the Islanders lead the Flyers 2-1. That is after two later. Anaheim at Dallas. Well, that starts in a few minutes. And the Wild will take on the Coyotes. Oilers at Detroit tomorrow. It's on 6.30, Chet, 4 o'clock for the face-off show game at 5.30. Cam Moon and Bob Stoffer will be describing the action. Before I bring my uh, next guest onto the show, well, you're going to hear him in this clip as well. This flashes back to October 12, 1988.
2: I 24 goals last year as a rookie, and uh, you're playing with a pretty decent centerman, and Mario Lemieux, I think uh, you could really make your point as a goal scorer in the National
3: Hockey League. With Mario, you obviously get a lot of chances to shoot the puck on the net, and uh, he right now is wanting to show everyone that he's still the best in the world. He proved it last year, and I'm just going to try and every time he gives me an opportunity to score, put it in the net for him.
2: You know, Rob, I, I hate to keep on bringing up the guy's name because there are people like Rob Brown who are excellent hockey players too. I I can't help but wonder... Um, other than hearing Coffee Lemieux, Lemieux, Coffee. Uh, what do the rest of the guys feel like? I mean, uh, do they keep their self-worth
3: also? I mean, you don't read much about the other players. Oh, we take it in stride. Obviously, Mario's the best in the world. He's gone out, and he gets a lot of credit, but he's earned all that. And Paul Coffee, he's proved that he's one of the best defensemen in the world, and he deserves all, deserves all the credit he gets. It's just a matter of us going out there doing our jobs. And come time, playoff time, Stanley Cup time, if we ever do win the Stanley Cup, then we'll get all the credit that we deserve. So it's... We go out there, we work our hardest, and it doesn't matter who gets the credit as long as we win the games.
2: Well, it doesn't make uh, much sense, does it, to have one of the best players in the world and not have the right people on with him, and uh, there's an obvious reason why you're there. Uh, why do you think you are playing with them, you, instead of other players uh, on your hockey club?
3: Well, last year I started out, I worked my way up from the fourth line, to the third line, and eventually Mario, they had trouble finding someone that could play with him. He's so good with the puck, you, you, all you have to do is find an opening, and a lot of players get a lot nervous playing with him. they don't know what to do with the puck and that, and I just just went with him at the end of the season last year started scoring goals with him and we just seemed to click and I'm not intimidated playing with him I know how great he is and it's just a matter of me going out there and putting the puck in the net for him
1: all right that is from October 12th 1988 Mike Robitaille former NHL broadcaster for the Buffalo Sabres interviewing this man my friend and colleague Rob Brown you sounded good Rob well on your way to a successful broadcasting career
0: <laughs> I sounded like I was eight years old I can't believe that was me. I no recollection of that at all. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I'm trying to think. I'm going to have to listen to myself tonight to see if I've improved at all. I sure hope so. Uh,
1: well, how old were you? that uh, You would have been like 20 years old then in the fall of 1988. Uh, yep, I would have been 20 years old. Yeah, that was the beginning of my second season in the NHL. I, I thought... Because I, I, you know, sometimes I like to play, especially when you come on this show, try to find a a highlight or something. And then this interview came up on YouTube. And I I thought you did a good job because you you hit a lot of the hockey cliches. You credited your teammates. You talked about team success. But you showed a little personality and promoted yourself. Fourth (laughs) line to third. But no, that's... And other players have told me that, especially retired players or guys later in their career, they say, you know... When you're answering a question, you can answer it however you want. You know, you can control your, the message about yourself to some extent. Seems like you'd figured that out early.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well, I was a confident young man, <laughs> so uh, apparently I had figured it out. I was probably more confident then than I am now. But uh, I know it was uh, that was some fun times. But seriously, I sounded like I was six years old. I can't believe. Uh, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure if I hit puberty at that point or not. <laughs>
1: Well, you look good. Now, did you, I know you and I have talked a little bit about uh, your relationship with the media in the past, but I I don't think I've ever asked you this, because I think that was an intermission interview, best I could tell. And as you know, on our broadcast here on Six Thirty Chen on the Oilers Radio Network, it's usually Cam and Bob or Jack and Bob together will do what we call a walk-off interview. So it's after the first period, if the game's going okay for the Edmonton Oilers, and then after the game, if, if they win. And you and I have both heard it. Sometimes the player's out of breath, if he was on the most recent shift of the period, the last or second last shift. And as, as you would have experienced, sometimes when you're sitting on the bench in an NHL game, you don't actually see everything that happened, right? Because we've heard players be asked about plays and them saying, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I must've been a good shot. Leon scored. So I assume. Like, did you like doing gay? Did you like doing interviews middle of the game that pulled you away from your intermission routine? Stuff like that.
0: Um, I wasn't a, a creature of habits. So I really didn't have a routine. Certain players did. They had to do everything the exact same every game before every game at intermission, stuff like that. To me, it, I didn't have that. A lot of guys re-tape their sticks between periods or, or get their gloves dried. I didn't do that. I, I never re-taped a stick in my career. Uh, I let the stick break before I put new tape on it. So I didn't have any, so I liked doing them. And back then, I uh, used to get prizes or paid to do it. So Mario and Coffey, they didn't really want to do interviews. They were tired of it at that point, especially mid-game. So like, if you go to Madison Square Gardens or something all of a sudden you get like a... Back then, it was like a uh, Walkman or something like that. Or I don't know, Hockey Night Kennedy, Canada, you get I think it was a hundred dollars if you if you did an interview for them. So you get money or prizes. It was pretty cool. You go home after a road trip with a few little goodies in your bag. So I liked it. It was fun. And uh, yeah, I, there were some guys that didn't like talking to the media. They just they were fearful of them. Um, I just I
1: just had fun. I was
0: a fairly free spirited young man. <laughs> So it didn't, none
1: of those things bothered me. Uh, well, I, I didn't realize you could get a Walkman. Jeez, I yeah. would have motivated yeah. a lot of people to play in the NHL in oh. the late 80s. Get a
0: free well, he Walkman. Well, was, you was. The <laughs> amount of money we got paid back then, you needed a Walkman. You couldn't afford the tape to put in it, though.
1: <laughs> That's a good point. You're like, I got 10 Walkmans, nothing to listen to, though. That's too bad. It's funny. Our, we, had, we took our Walkmans. We went to the World Juniors. It was in Russia.
0: And we went to the World Juniors in my room with Dan Curry. We both had our Walkmans with us, and we had all these uh, cassette tapes that we had brought over with us to listen while we were over there. Well, they all got stolen when we went through Russian comp- uh, Customs, so we only had one, and we had to share it, and it was Tiffany. Her greatest hits, I Think I'm Alone Now, was her best song back then. So for nine days in Russia, that was the only tape that me and Dogg listened to. So... Uh, I, I probably still have it at my mom's house. too. I so should pull it out? I was a big fan of Tiffany in the day.
1: I'm sure your kids would love to listen to that. <laughs> um, my daughter would. I, I think my
0: son that might be a little out of his uh, his taste.
1: Okay, fair enough. Let's. I did not know the Tiffany story. You've told me a few stories about Russia, on and couple off air that you don't want to tell. Them.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, the off air ones stay off air. Yeah. Those are ones you talk in a bar after a few beers, but no, not on air.
1: Yeah, well, I, I didn't know about the, uh, the, the Tiffany tape. So there you go. Tiffany helped Canada win a gold medal at World Juniors, uh, sort of. <laughs> okay, so I, I, I mentioned, and you and I are uh, are, are very lucky. The, the view from the, um, now we're a long way away, but the view of Roger's Place, what are we, eight stories above the ice? So
0: It seems like 30 stories. It, we're so, way up
1: some nights it seems like we're – but you, you can see the plays e- even – I mean, you see them further ahead than I do, but I even usually see, you know, a, a step ahead. You can see three or four steps ahead. But we got a great view, and then we watch the games together on TV, obviously now with high def, and we got a big screen here in the in the hockey studio. So we're pretty lucky. But I, but I referenced during a game, like how – like would you miss stuff during games did you ever miss a teammate make a big goal or a big save or like ever have a coach correct something saying like hey the eye in the sky says you got three feet instead of two and you're like i'm just trying not to get killed like i'm not i don't <laughs> know what the gap is between me at the defense but you know what i mean
0: <laughs> you, you you don't miss things when you're on the ice uh, that you don't miss uh, you're fully engaged and you uh pro hockey players pro athletes a great peripheral vision so they see everything that's going on at at all times that's like when when guys accidentally hit the goalie or accidentally hit someone coming across oh i didn't see him the player saw it. he did it on purpose okay but when you're on the bench you miss a lot uh i won a championship in the american hockey league uh the calder cup and we won in overtime and i didn't see the goal i was tying my skates so there's a lot of things you miss on the ice where, or when you're sitting on the bench, you're tying your skates, you're talking to a trainer, uh, you're talking to the buddy beside you. Uh, a lot of times you're just trying to catch your breath. So, yeah, so when players say they're on the bench and they didn't see it, that part is true. They, uh, a lot of times, don't, and even more so now, because you look at the bench, they all got the iPads. So they're reading an iPad instead of watching the play. So, uh, yeah, uh, players, when they're on the ice, they see everything that's going on. When they're on the bench, they will miss quite a bit.
1: Well, I I believe it was the the late Pat Burns, you know, great coaching career. I I have a memory of seeing him do an interview once, and he said the worst place from which to coach an NHL hockey game is on the bench of an NHL hockey game.
0: (laughs) Well, it's true. There's so many things you miss because there's players in the way. There's angles. I mean, as a player, if you ever watch the players on the bench, they're all leaning forward to see down the same side they're sitting on. Well, the coaches are another five feet back from the boards. So they I bet you they miss about, I don't know, a quarter of the ice they can't see just because they're back along the, they're back so far so they can't see the angle. So anything that's on their side of the ice, they have a hard time seeing. So those are, that's why they'll go into the dressing room between periods and they'll watch video or replays of it to see what they had missed. I have Pat Burns. I remember when he used to coach the Toronto Maple Leafs he didn't like me, and a big guffaw broke out between uh, us, the Blackhawks and the Maple Leafs. And everyone kind of grabbed each other. And Pat Burns was yelling to Sylvain Lefebvre, "Get Brown, get Brown!" And I'm looking around, okay, who's he yelling at? And it was Sylvain Lefebvre. He got me. He got me good. Knocked me out cold. Hockey night in Canada, Saturday night. But Pat Burns was the guy on the bench screaming at Sylvain Lefebvre to get me. So no. that's that's my Pat Burns story. Why
1: did Pat Burns not know? we've talked about the La fight because that's where the down goes brown uh, yeah, call he got came from? 16 times yeah, that one. was not that was did that did not uh, fairly <laughs> represent your fighting ability in the NHL because your other well, fights went it, fine. It, it, it might have, but yeah, that was not a good one for but me. The why did Pat Burns specifically hate you? Um I was
0: I was mouthy. I was cocky. That game, I think I tried running Wendell Clark twice. Didn't. I'm not sure he noticed because most times it bounced off and hurt myself more than I hurt him. But yeah, I know I was. I was a colorful player. Okay. So I was noticed by players on the opposition, uh, coaches on the opposition, uh, and some of them didn't uh, enjoy my brand of hockey at times. And Pat Burns was well. I mean, he was old school. He was an old pop. So. He didn't like the the showmanship that I brought at times, and rightfully so. Anything that I got in, my, in the game uh, from the opposition that was in with uh, ill intent, I deserved 100%.
1: Okay. Well, I, at least you're owning up to it, I guess. Uh, Rob, Rob Brown checking in tonight on uh, Inside Sports. Of course, Rob and I will be together on the face-off show and overtime open line tomorrow as well. Okay, there's no wrong answer because I was saying I, I didn't watch quite everything, but I did see some of it. Did you watch any of the All-Star festivities?
0: <laughs> I watched way more than I was expecting to or wanting to. I was in Vancouver watching my son. He was in a, a musical, and my brother and I went out and sat in a few pubs the one day, and every pub had all the All-Star stuff on. So I've seen everything to do with the All-Star game probably six times.
1: Okay. I, I was saying in the first half hour of the show, like they try the stuff on the beach and the golf thing and the tendy tandem and, and the, the breakaway thing where you can wear costumes. And I'm just wondering if simpler is better fastest skater, we know what it is. Hardest shot, we know what it is. You don't have to explain it to anybody. Couldn't they do hardest hitter? Put some kind of a measurement in a like a big dummy, like a foam yeah, dummy that would, you hit. It'd
0: be hard, though. You'd have the wrong guys at, that, <laughs> at the All-Star Game for Hardest Hitter. Uh, did you watch any of the NFL ones?
1: No, I didn't. But I know they did and, flag football, didn't they? Well, they, they
0: did that, but they also did. They had uh, uh, dodgeball. Oh. Watching some incredible athletes. In incredible shape playing dodgeball against each other it was awesome to watch got into it the players that was cool watching them to do that and they had some they had some skill things that they did uh where they had these machines moving and the football the quarterback had to hit the ball had to hit the target so they had some really the nfl one was a thousand times better than the nhl one it was entertaining and a lot of them were simple things. they had one where they were throwing uh water balloons and the the all the all big lineman guys had to catch the water balloons without them catch, without them exploding, and they loved it, and the and everyone was enjoying it. Though, like they all, so more or less they did a lot of kids'
1: games. Right. Well, they, see, and cool again, contract. so sim- simpler is yeah. better.
0: 100. So the, of the ones that I watched at the NHL, I liked the dunk tank. I thought that was funny. Skills you, know, you had to shoot the puck, and I loved the sportsmanship. Like a you, you saw Sidney Crosby. Has been the greatest player in the world forever is sitting in a dunk tank, about to get dunked by a hockey player. That looked cool. That one worked. The golf one didn't work at all. That looked dumb. And the breakaway one. I wish they would go back to the breakaway one where players go in on breakaways. Do whatever you want to score, but do it. I'd love to see a breakaway contest between the best players in the world, where they're actually not getting um, rated on their their breakaway. But who's the best breakaway artist? Is McDavid better than McKinnon on a breakaway? Is Ovechkin better than Crosby? I'd like to see that part of a breakaway contest because they they have the one last year think Zegers did. was incredible, and he didn't win it. And this year, they gave it to uh, Ovechkin's kid. It was cute. But come on, that's not really... I mean, what's his name? Uh, Potsman put a whole lot of thought and process into his. And then little OV Jr. went and scored a goal, and that was the one that won it. So that right. the, the the breakaway one got, is getting silly. Um, and the, the fastest racer, I I'd I'd like to see the fastest racer, I like to see them race each other instead of racing time.
1: Yeah, or, or have them, they got to have a puck, like keep a puck or something. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, but.
0: they used to have skills before where, like, you know, years ago, and I don't know if you remember it, but uh, on Hockey Night in Canada, between periods they had those, where the, the pros would go, it would be it was taped, and they'd have all of these contests like stick handling, shooting, and in, passing into a little net. Yeah, and it was and that was cool. I'd like to see them get back to doing stuff like that where it's a real competition with hockey skills, as opposed to trying to make it. They make it too difficult, or go into a kids game thing. If you get a bunch of get, get a hockey thing where the all stars, the three on three teams, have a dodgeball tournament. That would be fun to watch Connor McDavid trying to throw a dodgeball at Kyle McCar. Right, that to me would be funny.
1: <laughs> that uh, you might be onto something there. Okay, well we didn't talk too much about the Oilers coming back tomorrow. I imagine we'll have some time to speak about them tomorrow, Rob. Uh, I appreciate the stories. Uh, great interview from 1988. Uh, I'm sorry, Pat Burns was 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 out to get you, man. <laughs>
0: Well, there's a lot of the coaches that I had as my own coach. They were out <laughs> to get me. So it was fine when it was the opposition. See you tomorrow, buddy. Sounds
1: to good. Take care. It's our Inside the Game analyst, uh, Rob Brown. Great storyteller. Uh, uh, Tiffany. Wow. That there's. Uh, I-, I think we just stumbled across an off-topic topic for tonight. What tape would you like to have? What, what tape would you have in your Walkman for nine days straight in Russia, if you could only have one? Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Don't know if we'll get any responses to that one. Uh, we'll get more of your feedback on the All Star Weekend and some of the events as well. You can call into that same number if you want. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins
0: is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta's precedent-setting injury lawyers.
3: Black
1: ocean, cold and dark. I am the hungry shark. Fast and merciless. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Swims, I mean, what's this? Inside Sports on 6.3. Chet, thanks again to Dave Campbell for uh, filling in on Thursday and uh, Friday you can get in touch 780-496-0063 count let's get to a couple of uh, messages from our fine listeners for sure absolutely uh, unknown texter text again saying that the all-stars is a joke it's not what it used to be
0: irrelevant meaningless this is one of many examples why the NHL fails to attract more attention new fans to compete with the M- NFL MLB M- and NBA I,
1: I, I, I mm-hmm. would just say this back to that texter as, as a response to keep the conversation going not not just to be arguing argumentative or, or sarcastic or anything can you can, sir can you read that read the first part again kellen uh i could but it's disappeared on okay. me here so. <laughs> it's, it's it's gone into it space yes. the alien stole it again um i guess my and and to this person like i'm not i'm not trying to be cheeky or just argue with you I, i'd seriously like you to write back or call in was there a point and I don't know how old you are or how long you've been watching hockey. Was there a point though where the All-Star Game felt meaningful? I I, I don't know if it did. Maybe there were times they played a little harder. Maybe. But I, I feel like it's been a long time. It's been obviously it's an exhibition, but it's really just been an exhibition. So that that would be my question back to that. Like I, I seriously want to know. I'm not just I'm not just saying to be a jerk. Like. When was it when it felt like it had a little bit more weight?